why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Everything I say today will be tied into Ruth, the book of Ruth. Why, why do this? And if you're here and you're visiting or you're retired or you're busy with college, why should you be involved in this? That's all I'm going to lay out today, why you should be encouraged, driven, fired up to be a part of not only the food pantry, but some of the new things that God's doing in this church. Why should you be involved with that? Well, let me ask you another question. I want you to think deeply about that. What are you doing with life? If you're like, buddy, I don't know you, but I'm about to throw something at you. You don't understand. My life is so busy. I get that. But I want you to process this for a minute. What are you doing with life? No, no, no. I don't mean, are you busy? I mean, what are you doing with life? In 20 years, if we were to gather and we were to ask the same question, what would you be doing with life? Um, I do believe in human potential. I believe in big dreams. I, I believe in great things. And I think we all start out that way. If you're up in age or you're in that college season or you're a teen or, or you're a young mom or whatever's going on in your life, that's kind of how life starts. We have these big dreams. You remember those days? Like, man, there's people who come to this city to go to school or they come to this city to start a company because they think, they think with every ounce, every fiber of their being, they can change the world. And then you go into college and, and you come out of college, you go into the military, you come out of the military, whatever it is, and uh, maybe you got a degree and uh, all of a sudden there's, it's like Hunger Games. How many of you guys seen Hunger Games? Yeah, it's like Hunger Games. There's like, there's like uh, 15, 20-somethings and one job. And uh, it would have been just as easy if everyone would be armed because everybody's going after that one job. And what you find out is like, man, I didn't get the job and I'm, I'm struggling finding this pursuit. You know, I got this college education in this amazing field and I just feel lost and I, I'm not in that field. And I'm kind of back working a job that I'm really not thrilled about. And I still want to make a difference. And then that moment hits you guys and it, it goes from being a moment to a lifestyle to where it's kind of like, man, this is what life is? Like, you know, a cubicle or something like that. And nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying we feel this, this massive drive, this vision to do something huge with life. And then we find ourselves so often in these places for, for, for one year, five years, 10 years, 15 years. And we kind of begin to look back and say, this is it? This is, this is what existing looks like? And man, it, it doesn't stop in one place. It, like, it continually transitions. You come out of college and you get a job and then you're like, man, I'm going to look for a new job. Or uh, we just met with an amazing couple that we've kind of befriended and we were, we were eating with them Friday night. And she went from uh, working with a very well-known Christian leader um, to having one child and then working part-time and then having two children. And now she's not working at all. She's staying home and she's raising her babies. And we're having this great time talking, and I'm like, you know, what is Jesus doing in your life? And she's like, man, I'm in such a weird transition. It's like I'm trying to reinvent who I am. It's like, what do I do now? Like, I'm a little nervous. That was her message. Like, I'm a little nervous. Where am I going now? You guys feeling me on that? And I think the hardest part is that we all know, no matter where we're at in life, that there's more, there's more, there's more. We just don't know how to get there. And it's almost like we're looking in the wrong place. You know, we keep looking at what we do for a living, and that's fine. You may find great passion and, and purpose in your vocation, but 
So often it feels like we're looking in the wrong, wrong place, and, uh, and sure enough, it's right here under our nose. I believe that you can, no matter what realm of life you're in, college education, no job, great job, stay-at-home mom or CEO, I still believe with every ounce of me that it's in the church with God's people that you can always find amazing and passionate and powerful purpose for your life. Can I just get a like amen hand clap right there? So that's the beauty. You're like, man, I went to college and I'm working a job that I never wanted to live. That's the cool thing. It's like there's this constant that will never, that will never cheat you. You'll never lose. And it's this weird gathering of believers who want to change an entire city. And you can always dive into that. You can always be a part of that. When God's people work together, man, it's a place where we can really make a difference in this life. And man, if you're here and you're like, man, that resonates, but I'm still kind of struggling with that, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe from the Bible. I believe that by helping others together, I believe by helping others, you're helping yourself because you're going to really find out who you are. Man, if you're just living for yourself, it's so hard to even know who you are. But when you put yourself out there, when you stretch yourself and get involved with other people's lives, man, you find out that God's built you differently. You have gifts and you have talents and you have passions and love and you have a story. You've got a story that God wants to use. So just by helping other people, man, you will become the person God has designed you to be. I mean, I wouldn't be half the person I am and I'm still growing immensely if I wasn't a pastor like diving into people's lives. So many stories. So many stories in this room. Now I want you to think of the Mission District. I want you to think of Noe. I want you to think of San Francisco. I want you to think of Daly City, whatever. Maybe you're in the East Bay or whatever. I want you to think about human life around you. There are so many people who are hurting, yeah? There's so much pain in the world. In particular, walk, walk, walk through the mission. Uh, we spend as much time in the mission as we can Walk through the Mission District on a Saturday. And just watch what happens. And some of you guys have lived here, you know, your whole lives, so I don't mean to infringe on that. I'm still learning the mission and everything like that. But it's just amazing how much pain. And it's not even just in, in, in the Mission District, man. You go up in Noe and there's money there and it's Stroller Valley and I love it and it's cool. But there's still so much pain. Because where the human being is, there's pain. And I just think to myself, man, what if I'm a part of the solution? What if like God has designed us to be a part of the solution of getting into people's stories and actually being a part of the healing? May Day is tomorrow, right? Okay, it started like we want eight hours of fair work, and now it's become just a, it's like a national day to say life sucks. Yeah, like we're tired, we're frustrated, and we're pressing the government to answer us. And it's like, good luck, good luck. And so some of you will march, you'll protest in this city tomorrow because you're tired, you're fed up. But the beauty of this is it's like, and then you got this Christian church and it's like, and I just wonder if some, some person slumped in a pew in a, in a crazy looking building on a Sunday, on a sunny day, who's kind of like out of steam. I wonder if you could just like be revived in thinking that you're actually the one that God wants to use to change a human being. 
And just imagine that. I want you to visualize your life, whether you're a stay-home mom, a startup company guy, or whatever it is, or, or if you're a long-time kind of worker in the city, or whatever your story is, just imagine you, like the full you, if you were actually in the life of just one of these people in this city making a real difference. What would happen to you? So here's what I want to do. I want to I tell you a story today. I want to tell you a story about this girl. I want to meet this girl. She's been with me all week, this, this girl named Ruth. And, uh, man, I've, like, cried with, with this girl, like, reading about her in the Bible. I'm like, man. And then I've got excited about her, and then I've, like, yelled at her. Like, go, Ruth. Don't quit. Go. No, go. And so I want to tell you the story because there's so many Ruths in our city. And I want, I, want, I want to bring in the story not only this, this, this girl, this, this young girl, this 20-something girl, and her mother-in-law, who's, who's an older lady who's had the worst life. And, and this, this, this daughter-in-law who's done everything to try to keep herself and her mother-in-law's heads above water. And then I want to show you this dude named Boaz, just this guy. And I want to show you how he comes crash landing into their lives. And he's just this normal guy who's like bored with life. He doesn't know where he's going. He's just kind of, he runs a business. He did a startup in Bethlehem. They did it back then, I'm sure. And, and he runs into this girl, and God uses this normal guy who's just going about his daily grind to absolutely change this girl and her mother-in-law's lives. You are Boaz. So let's meet her. Let me give you two thoughts today. I want to meet Ruth, and then I want to meet Boaz. So let's meet Ruth and let's look at her immigrant story. That's all she is. She's an immigrant. She's wandering and she's hurt. But let's back up in Ruth chapter 1. In verse 1, there's a pew Bible in front of you. We'll put all the verses up here. We're going to read a lot of scripture, but I'm going to, I'm going to read it in a storytelling fashion. I want you in the story. I want you to see Ruth. I want you to be there. I want you to feel her. So let's work through it. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to meet some people. We're going to meet a family. Um, this is going to be a good family. These are a rock-solid group of people. It's going to be a, a mom, a dad, and two boys. No girls. They just got two boys. And something crazy is going to happen. You ready? Say ready. ready. All right. Let's get in the story. Let's become the characters in this story. Verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled. Just stop right there. Uh, how many of you guys just love what's happening governmentally in our nation? You're just like, Yes. Right. Yeah, it's pretty unanimous, right? It's pretty unanimous. Okay, it's nothing new. Same play, different actors. When, when the writer of Ruth, who's, who's written the most beautiful short story ever, when he goes like this, in the days when the judges ruled, it was so bad. Like the government was so bad, everything was falling apart. So if you're here and you're like, man, I don't know what's happening because of our government and is war going to break out and, and this Trump guy and all this stuff and California law and all this stuff, don't sweat it. Same thing going on in this story. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So think about that. Not only is the government all jacked up, but it's so bad in the world in the Middle East, in this little town called Bethlehem in the Middle East, if you think of a map. It's so bad that there's a famine in the land. Just get there, guys. Think about, think about this, this family of four living in this, this kind of square house made out of some brick and mud. And, you know, it's a small town built on, on the side of a hill and, you know, a couple thousand people. And, and all of a sudden, rains haven't come for a long time. And, 
And dad, he begins to get real nervous. And the, and the only way that he's making a livelihood is by growing crops. And he's got a couple of goats and maybe a cow or two. And, and they start getting real skinny. And, and the family starts having these meetings in the house. And they're like, man, things aren't looking good. We need to pray for rain. And what's going on with the, with the environment? Like, we haven't had rain in so long. And the wife maybe uh, looks at the... The teens and the two teen boys, and she goes, she goes, guys, don't worry. It's going to come through. We've been through this before. But another month goes by, and there's no rain. And the crops start wilting, and the cows start dying. And, and pretty soon, the land is broken. Everything's falling apart. There's a famine in the land. And if you're dad, I mean, I raised two girls, and I did my best to leave my home and, and be there, and and rally my family in hard times. So I feel, I feel what happens right here. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah, that's dad. He gathers the family around and he goes like this. Guys, we've tried, we've prayed, we've waited. Nothing's happening here. If we don't make a move, we're going to die. We're going to die. And you know that the teenagers are thinking about their friends and they're thinking about school and they're probably going on Facebook and like, man, I think something weird's happening right now with our family and all this stuff. And dad goes, guys, we're going to have to move. And, and you know, I met with so-and-so down at the coffee shop and, and they told me that uh, the famine is not in this other country. And I know, I know we don't understand that country. We don't speak their language. They, they worship foreign gods that we don't understand. They've got just different dress code. Their skin color's different. But guys, we got no option. So just trust dad on this one. We're going to have to start packing stuff up. I don't, I don't want you telling anybody yet, but we're going to have to pack up and we're going to have to go because the crops are good down there. And I think if I can just get a job there, like we can make it. So they kind of grab hands and maybe they pray and and the famine drives them from their home to a country they don't understand. Do you know that story is still going on everywhere? Like people flee countries, you know, just to find a new beginning. Verse 2, the name of the man, dad, his name is Elimelech. You don't have to worry about his name long. More tragedies coming. In the name of his wife, Naomi. Oh, remember her. In the name of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites. That's their hood. They're from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab. That's, that's where dad heard about fresh jobs. That's where dad heard that the famine hadn't hit yet. And so they move. They go to Moab and they remain there. They're immigrants. They're trying to find a new start. He's trying to find work. He's trying to raise his family in a foreign place. And without any explanation, as if the author wants to just rock us, verse 3, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, dies. He just, he's done. Man, I don't know if he was working and, a, and an accident happens on the job. I don't know if the stress begins to break down his body. I don't know how the news even got back to Naomi and the two teen boys, but dad dies. And if you look at verse 3, it's heartbreaking, and she was left with her two sons. She's got to raise the boys now, and she's got to figure out how to work while raising the two boys in a country she doesn't understand with a language she doesn't understand, with skin color that doesn't look like everybody else. She's a minority 
And now she's taking on a whole family. I'm going to say it over and over again. This story is happening everywhere, especially in this city. Verse 4. The sons begin to grow up. They begin to call that place home, even though it doesn't make sense, even though they weren't raised there. And like all teen boys who are going into their 20s, they meet some girls. These took Moabite wives, so... There's a wedding. Maybe there's, there's a little bit of, of hope in mom, Naomi. Maybe she's like, man, it's, it's healing. Yeah, dad can't be at the wedding, and, and dad is gone, and we buried him in a foreign place, but this is a new start. Maybe grandbabies are coming. Some of you know what, what that's all about. And here are two girls that these boys meet and marry. The one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. They live in that country. That's their life. That's their world. And they meet these two good-looking kids, and and they start dating and everything else, and they they get married. And they were there, married for about 10 years. We can do this. Things are getting better, right? See, everybody's got a story, you guys. See, you could be walking by one of these people on Valencia, V24, one of the most one of the most moving corners in the city. We're walking by these people every day. We just don't know their story. And then verse 5. Ten years of marriage, and both Malon and Kilion die. So that the woman, she, she's not even called Naomi anymore. It's like she's lost her identity, this poor woman. She loses her husband and then her two sons. And she's now just called the woman. The woman was left without her two sons and her husband. I mean, she's a shell of who she was. Verse 6, then she arose with her daughter-in-law. She rises up with these two girls. I mean, everybody's widowed. And she goes like this. We're, we're going back to Bethlehem. Because she heard that in the fields of Moab, the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she, she hears word that something's happening back home in Bethlehem, and she's like, I'm going back. I'm going home. And so in verse 7, she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. So, okay, the crops are growing again, and maybe I can go there, and maybe I can work and, and start over and get my life back. And the two girls want to go. They want to go. In verse 8, but Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, no, no, go, return, each of you, to her mother's house. Don't, don't go with me. Stay here. This is your country. I know what it's like to go to a country where you don't understand anything. Go return, each of you, to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. She goes like this. The Lord grant that you may find rest. I, I haven't. May you find rest. Go home as I go back to my home. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. That's an awful chapter in the Bible. There is so much good news coming. In verse 10, and they said to her, no. Well, what girls? Look at this. No. We will return with you to your people. This is such a picture of Jesus. Like, we don't know We don't know. The culture, we're going to give up everything. We're going to give up our life. We're going to give up our wealth. We're going to give up our comfort, our homes. And we are going to go with you into a foreign place so you won't be alone. Drop down to verse 15. Check this out. 
So they start walking as Naomi makes her way back where she was born. And an argument ensues between the three of them. And Naomi, she continually says, girls, don't go with me. And Orpah, one of the girls, says, you know what? Okay, I'm going to stay. And Ruth keeps following Naomi. Mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, they, they, they keep walking. And they're going back home. And Naomi turns to her daughter-in-law and she goes like this. See? Like, just visualize this. Look in the distance. You see, your, you see her back. You see Orpah's back as the sun is setting and she's walking away. She's going back home. Go with her. Don't go with me. See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. As Orpah is fading from sight. But Ruth said, she's like, Mom, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. I'm not walking away from you. Where you die, I will die. And yet, see, tragedy builds strength. I want to be buried next to you. I'm going the whole way with you. I understand your pain. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. There's like this covenant, like we are going together. And yeah, I don't understand it. And I'm about to become an immigrant in your country now. And I don't understand the concepts and cultures. And I'm a woman. And there's mass racism in your country. And I know it's going to be weird. And I know I'm going to struggle to find a job. And we're both women in an oppressive culture. And it's going to be really hard for, I, for us to find any work in a male-dominated society. I love verse 18. And when Naomi, when mom saw that old daughter-in-law, Ruth, was determined to go with her, like she's like, I'm going to be buried next to you. She said no more. She's just like, man, wish you wouldn't follow me. So the two of them went. They went on until they came to Bethlehem. Now, it's been years, 12 years. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. Like, is that Naomi? Man, that looks like Naomi. Like, but she doesn't look good. Like, where's her husband? Didn't she leave with two teen boys? And who's that girl of another race walking in this town with her? Like, what happens? Now, let me just ask you a question, guys. Think with me. Let's, let's get Jesus to do something in us. How many Ruths are in our districts? How many Ruths have walked out of their countries to come here with a mother-in-law or a mother or a brother and have come to a place like this to find a new beginning, to find a better way of life? And their backstory looks like this. They're terrified. I mean, they, they, they don't know where to find work. Um, they're struggling to even speak the language. I, for the first time, was hanging out with a, a chunk of our church, and uh, it was Filipinos and Hispanics, and then my wife and I. It's awesome. I love that. I just love that. And for the first time in a long time, I couldn't understand any of them. Like any of them. And it was cool because they loved me and I loved them, so it was all good. But for the first time, I, I was like, man, what if, what if that was your situation in a whole city? Like you could not communicate. You know, I, I kind of find myself like over in the corner, like, and then the food came out, and then we all partied. 
But how many roosts are in our district? How many roosts are in our city? And how many stories of struggle are in our neighborhood? And what is this girl going to do? She just enters these, these gates of the city. And what is she going to do? Where, where do you even start? Maybe I should marry. Maybe if I got married. But you're of a, you're, you're of a different race, Ruth. And there's prejudice. Well, maybe I should get a job. You're going to have a hard time in this town. Where are we going to live? Where are we going to, what are we going to eat tonight? This was her story. There's Ruth, our immigrants. Well, I need you to meet another person in this story. His name is Boaz, and he's most of you. He's you. Now, there's some Ruth sitting among us, but most of you are Boaz. God is calling on you to meet this poor girl and do something miraculous in all of your ordinariness and rescue and redeem her and show her there's a place she can belong. Look at Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. You guys good out there? I'm so excited to see a response from this. Fellowship hall right after the gathering. So watch what happens in 2-1. Now Naomi, you remember who she is, that's mother-in-law. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's. So she gets in town. I don't know if she's staying with someone or what. They don't have a house. They've been away for 12 years. They've got no money. They're totally depressed. Ruth is a broken woman. She's trying to take care of her elderly mother-in-law. And mother-in-law remembers that, man, my husband's family owns a little land here. And we got, we got some relatives here. And there's this guy named Boaz. So Ruth, come here. There's this guy named Boaz. And uh, I don't know what else to do. I don't even know where we're going to eat tonight. Ruth, I'm sorry to do this to you. I know in our culture, you could be kidnapped. You could be raped. You could be abused. But there's nothing left. Ruth, if you would, go out to this field and just see if you could walk on the edge of his field and as they're cutting grain, maybe if some has fallen to the ground, like Ruth, be careful, but just grab some of it and bring it home. And maybe we can eat tonight. That's intense. I, I meet people almost every week and they're like, they're like I, I just meet them, you know, in, in, in coffee shops or walking down the street or whatever it is. And they literally have the same story. Like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. I don't know anybody here. And, you know, it's, it's scary stuff. So what's about to happen is she's going to meet this guy, this landowner named Boaz. So let's talk about Boaz for a few minutes. And I want you to see yourself in Boaz. So here we have this immigrant girl, this broken girl, who's trying to do everything she can to find a way to find some food for dinner tonight. She's got an elderly mother-in-law who's lost everything and is in total depression. And she's got to go into this very risky scenario in this crazy culture and try to stir up a way to find food. And what's going on is she's going to run into a guy who's working a nine-to-five, who's doing pretty good, and uh, he's got his own business. And we're just going to see what, what Boaz does and see if we can learn from Boaz. He's a business owner. He's doing his nine-to-five. He's probably bored with his job, yeah? He's bored. He's probably wondering if he should have got a degree in another field. 
He's probably wondering if 10 years ago he should have accepted that crazy plane ride to that other country to do that crazy thing with his buddy. But he's working a job in his hometown. And maybe, just maybe, he's struggling to find something great to do with his life. Look at Ruth chapter 2, verse 2. And Ruth the Moabite. Isn't that interesting why they call her a Moabite? Check this out, guys. Don't lose me here. Ruth the Moabite. The writer's reminding us she's not of the race. And when she walks in as a woman on this Jew's field, she is going to be visibly different, and they hate her race. This is one awesome girl. And every time I meet someone out there who's this bold, they're just, they're grinding it out to make it happen. I fall in love with them. Like, it's so amazing. I mean, the strength and resilience of making it. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Tutu, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. I'll go to this guy's farm if you know him. I'll take the risk, ma. And Naomi says to her, knowing that she's putting her daughter-in-law in huge risk, she goes, go, my daughter. That's all we got. So she set out. So Ruth goes out. She leaves the house. She, she finds the farm. She goes, and, and, and the Bible says, and went and gleaned in the field after the reaper. So people are cutting grain, and they're, they're cutting down crop as they're working on Boaz's field. And she kind of slips in. Maybe she's got a veil over her face so no one sees her race. She slips in, and she begins to grab what, they, what they're leaving behind. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. So she stumbles onto his property of his business where they're cutting grain for him. All these employees are working. And he's from the clan of Elimelech. So he's in the family. And behold, like watch this. That's what that means. Check this out. Something intense is about, good news is about to drop on this story. Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, wouldn't you love to have a boss like this? So he's been away. He's probably doing something, buying some equipment for his farm or something like that. He gets back to the farm. All, his, all of his employees are working in the field and he goes like this. He walks up and he's like, hey, employees, the Lord be with you. What is that? I have never had a boss do that. It's you like, you know, work harder, you know, or something like that. And so he's this awesome dude, and he's like, the Lord is with What a great way for a boss to walk into his company. And they said, give us a raise. No, they go like this. Hey, boss man, the Lord bless you. What a great company. Then Boaz, he pulls one of his supervisors over, and he says to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, he pulls a supervisor over, and he goes, hey, what's going on with that 20-something over there. She's obviously from another country, and she's kind of sneaking around, grabbing your guys' leftovers. What, what's up? What's going on over there? Something doesn't look right over here. That's the moment. That's the moment we are in right now. What is he going to do? Is he going to keep doing the 9 to 5? Is he going to run her off? Is he going to keep going and just busy himself with work and money-making and travel? Or is he going to realize that God wants to use him as this broken little immigrant of a girl is trying to make it in this world, and he sees her and says, man, look at all the resources I have. I'm about to dive into her life and make something happen. He's got a cause now, guys. He's got a real human being in his world that he can help. 
So that's the tension point, man. Is he going to just go on searching for more life? Is is he going to see that God has delivered more life right there? She's right there. Change the life. Do something beautiful to her. Ruth 2.6. I love Boaz. And the servant who was in charge of the reapers, so the supervisor goes like this. He says back to boss man Boaz, she's the young Moabite woman, everyone knows the tragic story, who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And all of a sudden, Boaz feels the weight of that. Like he sees her looking around and she's, she's gathering stuff and she's afraid and guys are looking at her, you know, like what's going on? And she's, she's like so desperate. She looks so desperate. And, and Boaz is just looking at her like, man, I know that story. I've heard the story. It's awful. Like something starts happening in his heart. And guys, we've got to let Jesus do this in our hearts. We can't just look anymore. We've got to look and respond. We've got to be used. And then verse 7, I don't know if she overhears, I don't know what happens, but Ruth goes at some point to the supervisor, because he saw her stealing stuff from the food, or, or taking stuff from the farm, the supervisor goes like this, yeah, I already had a talk with her, Boaz, and here's what she told me, she goes, please, 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 sir, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. Please let me take what's left over. Please, I'm, I'm hungry. My mother-in-law is hungry. I don't know anybody here. And the supervisor's like, you know, Boaz, I hope I haven't messed up, but I let her. She came and she's continued from early morning until now. She's worked so hard, like she's outworking our guys, our, our employees. And she takes a short rest every now and then, but she's desperate, boss. She's desperate. What are we going to do? And Boaz is just sitting there thinking about this whole scenario. Does he go back to the self-centered life? Does he go back to the job? He's got to be thinking to himself, man, I've got so much. With a couple of decisions, I could change a human life. Verse 8, then Boaz said to Ruth, you know, he's like, girl, come here. Hey, I don't want to freak you out. I'm Boaz. This is my property. Just, just relax. Let me speak to you. He goes, listen, my, my daughter. I mean, this, this, this verbiage of protection. Listen, my daughter. Do not go and glean in another field. Don't, don't go and try to do this anywhere else because you're going to get hurt. Don't leave this one. You keep close to my guys. You keep close to my people. And I'm going to keep you safe here. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. I've already talked to my crew. I've already told them what's up. I've already told them that they better protect you, that you can take as much as you want. Have I not charged my employees, the young men, not to touch you? You're safe here. You're safe here. That's the church. Like, you're safe here. Oh, yeah, and when you're thirsty, you go to the vessels, the water over there, and you drink as much as you want. You're safe here. And in such a hard world, she's so blown away by love. She fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, why are you being so nice to me? Why are you doing this? Nobody's done this. 
Why have I found favor in your eyes that, that you should take notice of me? I'm not like you. I'm a foreigner. I'm not, I'm not your race. I, I, have, I have a broken dialect. I don't even speak your language well. But Boaz, Boaz answered her, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. I know your story. Like, I know how hard it is out there. And you've left your father and mother and, and your native land. I know that the journey's been insane. And I know you've come to a people that you did not know before. I know this is a strange place. I know San Francisco's weird. I don't want you to hurt anymore. And he goes like this in verse 12. The Lord repay you for what you've done. And a full reward be given to you by the Lord. Like she's like, man, I hope God just blesses you, Boaz. Now watch this. He goes like this. God is in this under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He's like this. I'm like, I'm being used of God like a hen when the barn is on fire and all these helpless little chicks come running under, under my wings and I gather them, them in and I protect them from the fire, from the storm. He's like, that's me. That's what I'm going to do for you. That is so amazing. And so let me ask you this, you guys. What changed Ruth's life right there? What changed it? Was it, what is it? was it a sermon? Was it a great book? Like, here's a book. Like, I know you're hurt, and here's a book. Was it a college degree? Was it a government program? None of that is wrong. But guys, listen to me. It was friendship. It was friendship. It was a man making a friendship with a young lady that radically transformed that girl's life. What, what changed Ruth's life? It was, it was someone befriending this girl and using his resources to bless her. Look at verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, so he's like, hey, I want you to stay for dinner. <laughs> man, this is an awesome short story. Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. Like, feast, woman, feast. You've worked so hard. Like, fill your belly. So she sits behind, so she sat be, behind the, uh, beside the reapers. Not behind them. She sits right with the other workers. He's like, come to my table. You're like family. And he passed her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied. You know, she, her hands are dirty, and she's filling her be belly. And she had some left over. When she, when she rose to glean, so she's about to go back to work, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Let her walk right next to you while you're cutting down the grain. And when you cut it down, just let her grab it. <laughs> just let her take it. When you do a food pantry in this amazing building, just let them take it. They got nothing. So excited. Verse 16, and also put out some from the bundles for her. This is like a setup now. And also take some of the really good stuff and like drop it on the ground so she sees it. <laughs> you this, is why, this is where you're really living right here, where, you, where you're helping people. Now leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. That's such an amazing, amazing story. So she gleaned in the field until evening. <laughs> the employees are like throwing massive amounts of food to her. And she beats out what she had gleaned. She gets it all ready. It's an ephah of barley. It's like this massive bag. And she took it up. <laughs> like she, she walks back to mother-in-law's house. She goes back into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. <laughs> Naomi, her mother-in-law, is like, what? Where did you get that? Like what is going on? She also brought out and gave her what food 
she had left after being satisfied. So she's like, like, Mom, it's not just this. Like, I ate with Boaz, and here's the leftovers. Like, this is amazing. And her mother-in-law said to her, where, where, did, you, where did you get this? No one's this nice. And where, where have you worked? Man, whoever it is, whoever took notice of you, So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Like, this guy's amazing. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, oh, man, may he be blessed by the Lord. Like, we're seeing the Lord in him, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. He notices that we're broken, we're dying out here, and he's going to redeem us. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. He's one of our redeemers. He has the power to actually bring us in, make us a part of his family, and give us security for the rest of our lives. That is a picture of salvation in Jesus Christ. Where Jesus says, I'm going to bring you in the wanderer, the have-not, the helpless. I'm going to save you. I'm going to make you one of my own. And Jesus is calling us to reflect this into our city and say, hey, if people don't care, if you don't know where food's coming from, if you don't know where love is going to come from, if you feel ostracized in this city, if you feel oppressed, you come to the people of God and we're going to create a space for safety and resources and help you. You're going to be loved here. How many roosts are in our city? This is what the food pantry is all about. This is why God wants it. And an amazing lady, see, the vision's got to get bigger. And you're like, dude, I can't keep up with you already. The vision's going to get bigger here. I have a, I, one of you came to me several weeks ago and said, Pastor John, why aren't we doing an after-school daycare when we're surrounded by elementary schools to use this facility so we can keep them off the street and tell them about Jesus and love them? Well, I was right, guys. You can get excited. That, that's exciting. And if you're already like processing, like, well, what about this? And what about this? We'll take care of it. We'll take care of it. Trust the Lord. We need a big vision for a broken city. How are we going to make a difference? And I want to caution you. I want to speak to myself. If making a difference in this world only means getting, getting our way or getting our name out, it's never going to feel right. But if you see yourself... As Ruth, if you see Jesus in Boaz, if you see that he's come to rescue you when you had nothing and he's given you a place to belong and he loves you, when you feel that, when you worship and sing that, I mean, his praise will ever be on my lips for what he's done for me. I I was the orphan. I was was the guy scrambling. And Jesus said, get over here. I'm going to give you a new people because you don't belong anywhere. And I'm going to rebuild you and I'm going to love you. See, when you're experiencing that love right there daily, like, Jesus, you are Boaz. You, You take care of my life. That's when you begin to look out in these streets and go, I want to become Boaz. I want to be a part of helping you because I've been there, maybe even in a small way. I want to I be there, man. And I don't got to rely on job or career or using my degree when it may not work out the way I want to help me feel like I'm making a difference in this world. I have a people of God who are in the middle of the most amazing place in the world, surrounded by brokenness, and we have resources and resources and resources to change their lives. That's when they'll see the Lord.
I want us to pray for this. I want us to find a Ruth. I want us to be a part of a food bank so we can have a hundred Ruths walk in this building and we can play the role of Boaz and not only supply, but love them to the gospel to see them know Jesus. Let's have a time of prayer and pray to this end. Bow your heads with me.